Welcome to Excess Returns, where we focus on what works over the long term in the markets. Join us as we talk about the strategies and tactics that can help you become a better long-term investor. Justin Carboneau and Jack Forehand are principals at Validia Capital Management. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Validia Capital. No information on this podcast should be construed as investment advice. Securities discussed in the podcast may be holdings of clients of Validia Capital. Hey guys, this is Justin. In this episode of Excess Returns, Jack and I talk about bubbles, from what a bubble is to how one might define one, to knowing if you're in a bubble, to what you might do about it. These are interesting questions to ask given where the market is and the valuation of certain stocks. Also, outside of equities, you have prices of things like cryptocurrencies, housing prices, and other asset classes at record levels. We try to offer up some insights on bubbles, but in reality, there is no perfect answer to how to deal with bubbles, but there are some things you may consider, and we discuss some of those options in this episode. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy this discussion. Oh, and by the way, Validia's market valuation and trend following tools may be good research tools to help uncover where there is value in today's market and also to indicate when certain asset classes are in a downtrend. You can take a free trial to Validia at validia.com trial. That's V-A-L. IDEA.com slash T R I A L. Thanks for checking us out. All right. Did you see my uh, tweet from yesterday of that New Yorker magazine cover? I did. I saw, I saw that, that cover going around Twitter. It was pretty funny. Yeah. So the, the title or what was on the cover of the magazine was Can I Spack My Stonks with NFTs? Um, so it really captured sort of all the things that are going on in the market with SPACs and you know, the retail investor and GameStop to some extent and NFTs, which are non-fungible tokens. And do you, by the way, do you know, do you know the answer to that question? Um, can you do it? No, I don't. Well, that, <laughs> that's what not, I tweeted. Right? I said, I don't think you can. <laughs> no, I think it probably wouldn't be possible. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, but it does a good job of like capturing like all the things that are sort of like going on in the market. And I kind of want to start this discussion before we kind of get into the, like the core of what we're going to talk about just with some some like uh, sort of some data points here. So over the past year, the S&P is up um, close to 90 percent. Um, the P.E. ratio of the S&P is 42 price to sales of three and the price to book of 4.5. All those valuation ratios are effectively double where the historical averages have been historically. You have the CAPE ratio, which is also known as the Schiller PE at 37, which is more than double its historical average. U.S. home prices have rose the fastest um, year over year in the past 15 years. Basically, um, the year over year increase collectively in U.S. housing prices is up over 11 percent um, as of January of this year. And in some markets, we know prices are up even higher. Uh, Bitcoin is up 830 percent over the past year. You have the Buffett indicator, which is a stock market um, to GDP ratio is at an all-time high. It's actually higher than it was in 1999. You have Beeple's NFT selling for 69 million, and an article I wrote this week showed that there's like 150 something SPACs that have come on the market with about 160 billion assets. So all of that sort of leads us to the question of, you know, are we, you know, in a bubble or nearing bubble territory? in some areas of the market, in some of these places. And so that's kind of what, where I wanted to start, Jack. And I think, but before we can sort of maybe talk about that, we're not even gonna really address, are we in a bubble necessarily? But you know, your article from this week was about bubbles and you sort of asked three 
really good questions. And the first question is like, what is a bubble? To know if we're in a bubble, we first have to define a bubble. So let's start there. Yeah, you know, what's interesting about all those things you said, and we'll get to this towards the end, but, you know, if you look at all those things are pretty extreme things, but probably the vast majority of things you talked about are not bubbles. Um, and, and to figure out why, it's important to take a step back and say, what, what is a bubble? What's the definition of a bubble? Um, in my article, I use a definition from Rob Arnott because I think it's the best one I've seen. And the definition is, we define a bubble as a circumstance in which asset prices, one, offer little chance of any positive risk premium relative to bonds or cash using any reasonable projection of expected cash flows, and two, are sustained because investors believe they can sell the asset to someone else for a higher price tomorrow with little regard for the underlying fundamentals. So, so you've got two things going on here. One is basically there has to be no rational way to justify what's going on, you know, through fundamentals or through future potential or through anything. There has to basically be no rational way to justify what's going on. And the other thing is people are buying things that they don't understand with the sole purpose of selling it to somebody else for another for a higher price in the future. So I think when you have and that, that's basically the essence of his definition, when you have both of those things going on you probably are in a bubble. But I also want to read, uh, I, use, I also put a Cliff Asnes definition in there, and I want to read that too because it sort of looks at the other side of the coin. Um, and, and his definition was, to have content, the term bubble should indicate a price that no reasonable future outcome can justify. I believe that tech stocks in early 2000 fit this description. I don't think there were, there were assumptions, short of them owning the GDP of the earth, that justified their valuations. However, in the wake of 1999 to 2000 and 2007 to 2008, and with the prevalence of the word bubble to describe these two instances, we've dumbed the word down and now use it too much. An asset or a security is often declared to be in a bubble when it is more accurate to describe it as expensive or possessing lower than normal expected return. The descriptions lower than normal expected return and bubble are not the same thing. And I, and I think that's really important. So we started by defining a bubble, but the second thing is once we start throwing around the word bubble, it gets used way, way too often. It gets used, the market is expensive. So for, for example, when, when you talked about the CAPE ratio of the market, the CAPE ratio market is clearly expensive right now, but the CAPE ratio of the market is still well below 1999. So are we in a bubble with the overall stock market? Probably not. We're probably, what he said, we're probably overvalued. We're probably looking at lower than you know, average expected returns in the future, but we're probably not in a bubble. So uh, I, I think though it's, it's important to look at both of those things. You know, what is a bubble? And then also maybe that word is a little bit overused. And one of the things that I think is tough is when you're in sort of bubble territory, a lot of times there, if, if you're a investor in that asset class that's in a bubble, you know, oftentimes you come up with reasons to support, you know, why you believe in the asset class. And so it's hard to, you know, know if you're in a bubble especially if you're investing in it, because a lot of times if you're investing in it, obviously you sort of believe that this thing's going higher and to your point that you're going to be able to sell the asset to someone for um, a higher price. But I, I, th I think, you know, you did kind of tackle the question of can you identify a bubble in advance? It's very difficult. Um, and a lot of times it's only in retrospect can you understand that we were in a bubble in something. But you sort of kind of asked that question in the article. Yeah, it, it's very hard. I think the, the answer is maybe. Um, you know, we, we have, with, with the R-naught definition of this, we, we have a, a framework to use, which is we can't justify the valuation with any fundamental reason. But what you said was really important, which is when, when you're in these bubbles, you get this future potential you're talking about, which is this massive future potential. And judging whether that future potential is realistic or not can be very difficult. So let, let's think about like, I don't think there's much of a case that the overall market is a bubble right now, but let's think about Tesla. 
you know, a lot of people, uh, Rob Arnott has actually written about how he thinks Tesla is a bubble. So the people that are proponents of Tesla right now are looking at a massive future potential in terms of electric vehicles being the dominant vehicle, Tesla having a massive market share in, in electric vehicles. And then also in addition to that, Tesla getting into other business areas they're not even in right now, you know, where they're also going to dominate. So is that a bubble? Is that so unrealistic that it's not possible? You know, I probably think it is. I would probably agree with Rob with that, but there's there's some level of debate around that. And, and that's the challenge of identifying bubbles is it's not, it's never going to be 100% clear. Um, you know, I think, I think GameStop, something like that, probably was close to 100% clear when, when the, the short, you know, melt up was happening, that that probably was a bubble. Um, but, you know, with, with most cases, I, th I think it's very, very difficult. And, and there's arguments in favor, you know, when you're, when you're in these situations where everybody's really excited about a certain thing, there's arguments about future potential that make it very difficult to identify in advance. And by the way, you know, bubbles have been sort of a, a constant throughout history. So I was just in doing a little bit of research um, for this podcast before, you know, you had you had obviously tulip mania in the 1600s. You had the South Sea bubble in the 1700s. The Mississippi bubble, also in the 1700s, you had the railway mania, which was in Britain. This was in the 1840s. Um, there was obviously the Roaring Twenties, which a lot of leverage, and there was you know a bubble coming into the 1929 uh, stock market with the crash and then the Great Depression, and then you know more recent times there was the dot com. Um, well, you had Japan, and then you had uh, uh, the dot com boom and bust. And then the housing, you know, bubble to some extent. Um, but the, the difficult thing for, you know, all those periods is if if you're sit, sort of looking at it as an investor and you're not participating, it's very hard to not want to be involved in those certain asset classes when things are going parabolic. And so it's it's really tough as an investor like you know what can you do do you just sit out and do because you believe it's a bubble or things are overvalued or you know do you get involved and then you know try to time the exit which is almost impossible as well but you know i don't know i just that's a little historical context along with um i think what's challenging for a lot of investors when they see prices just continuous you know continually going going up up and up and, and that might be sort of get to the last point of your article which is you know as an investor, what can you do about it? Do you just sit there on the sidelines? Do you completely go to cash if you think the stock market's in a bubble or what? I mean, there, there's probably no exact answer, but that's something that I think you were trying to sort of get at here. And that's by far the most important of the three questions. I mean, it's great to come up with these definitions of a bubble. It's great to try to identify them in advance. But the question is, even if I can do both of those things, what do I do with my portfolio? What, what can I actually change to take advantage of the fact that I now know it's a bubble? And, and that's where it's really, really challenging. And I use the example of the, uh, you talk about the dot-com bubble. I use that example in the article because in, it was around like 1997 where the market reached a CAPE ratio it had never reached before. So at that point, the stock market had never been more expensive than it was at that time. So if you were going to try to say, use, find some evidence that you were in a bubble, that's probably some pretty good evidence that you know, you're at a valuation that's never been achieved before. But then what happened? For the next three years, the market produced something like 20% a year, and tech stocks produced a much better return than even that. And so if, if I was someone who decided in 1997, all right, I'm putting my portfolio in cash, you know, we're, we're in a bubble – well, I lost 20% a year for three straight years, and I'd have to make that up on the backside. But the, the harder part about it even than that is I probably would have capitulated at some point. You know, how often, how long can you sit there while people around you are making 20% a year and not make anything and not eventually go back in the market because you just, you just had enough? 
And if, if that happened in 1999, then you lost on both sides of it. You know, you were out during, you know, and then, then you were in for the collapse. So that, that's the really challenging part about this is, is you can't really, especially when you look at it from the perspective of these binary in and out decisions, you, you can understand you're in a bubble, but because we never know when they're going to end, you can't time it. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a very good point. You know, these things can go on for a lot longer than you might think. And so it's, you know, certainly very difficult to, to sort of be calling the top on, on anything because these things can blow through the top and then, then keep on going. Um, in 1999, you know, it would have been great if you were long tech and then all of a sudden you decide to go, you know, basically long value. But the value investors during that period were basically struggling, but ultimately they were rewarded when that, um, when that bubble popped. So, so yeah, so that's, this is, it's, I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see, I mean, where the market is today and where some of these other things are going. Um, you know, it certainly seems frothy to me. It seems speculative in a lot of ways. I think one of the things that, you know, where, where you can get in certainly a lot of trouble with bubbles is when there's leverage involved. Um, and to some extent, you know, the things that we're seeing, it's not necessarily, based on high amounts of leverage from what I can tell, although where the leverage might be coming from is sort of like stimulus and um, uh, sort of the US government leveraging up, not necessarily investors, but um, do you have anything else to add there? And, and sometimes there's bubbles in pockets as well. Um, so, you know, we, we don't have to necessarily say, you know, the entire U.S. stock market is a bubble. The U.S. stock market may not be a bubble, but there may be pockets of bubbles within there. You know, there, there may be certain software companies that are trading at 50 times sales or something that might be a bubble while the stock market is not. And, and I think that was one you, you actually pointed this out when I when you read the article to edit it. Like that was one of the shortcomings, I think, of my article is I sort of was only looking at the in and out decision. But there are things you can do around the edges, probably, if you think a bubble is present. And one goes back to what I just said, which is. If I think you know software companies or Tesla or something like that is a bubble, well, I cannot hold those things in my portfolio. You know, I, I don't have to get out of the whole stock market. I can just try to avoid the things that I think are in a bubble. That's that's one. And, and again, there's going to be downsides to that because those stocks might keep running, and I might trail other investors because I do it. But that's something I could do. Or as you mentioned before, if I think value is a really good opportunity, I can rotate my portfolio towards value and rotate it away from the bubble. But that, again, has the same problem I talked about from the late 90s, which is if you, if you went to value in 1997, you basically made nothing until, the, you know, until 2000 when you finally got you know, your great returns. So can you sit there and hold these value stocks while the tech stocks continue to run? So there are things you can do around the edges. I mean, you can avoid the area that's in the bubble. You can rotate to cheaper areas. But all of them have the same problem that you know, you're going to probably be sitting there for a while where a lot of, while a lot of other people are making more money than you, and you have to be able to do that. All right, so I guess that's a wrap on bubbles. Um, you first have to know how to define a bubble and even understand if you're in a bubble, it's very hard to know. Um, and there are a lot of challenges and issues on uh, sort of dealing with and investing in bubbles. But I think your point about diversification is important. Um, eh, but that carries its own sort of set of challenges as well. So anyways, we'll have to look back five years from now and see if uh, any of this stuff we're seeing now is a bubble or not. But um, anyways, thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Hi guys, this is Justin again. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Excess Returns. You can follow Jack on Twitter at, at @practicalquant and follow me on Twitter at, at @jjcarbono. If you found this discussion interesting and valuable, please subscribe in either iTunes or on YouTube or leave a review or a comment. We appreciate it.